Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissett. On this episode, we get to meet Caitlin Aurelia Smith. Caitlin is a producer, songwriter, singer, multi-instrumentalist, but she's best known for playing the rare and very interesting Buchla Modular Synthesizer. It's her key instrument, her main gig. And in this chat, we talk about how she's used it and other sounds in her brand new album, Let's Turn It Into Sound. I call it her poppiest work yet. She may see it another way. Either way, it's a really fun album. It's a really good album to get lost in. And it was really fun getting to talk to her about all the ins and outs of it. We also talk about how she's kind of always preparing new work, even while old work is being ready to be released. We talk about what her live shows are looking like these days, the power of sound, what that specific Buchla synthesizer really means to her, her various collaborations, and so, so much more. I think you'll enjoy, so thank you so much for listening. This is me meeting Caitlin Aurelia Smith. Today is like an organization day for me. So mm. just kind of uh going through like that fun process of when you finish projects and then you're prepping for projects. <laughs> just that overlapping sort of thing, yeah. workflow. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're based out of California right now? Yeah, Los Angeles. And then okay. I um am also traveling. So I'm kind of like going between the two places right now. Mm. So seems like a sort of busy time. Yeah. An influx yeah. time. Yeah. So you mentioned new projects, finished projects, upcoming projects. You are someone who seemingly is always, always creating something. Um, we, uh, we're mostly here because you, uh, well, because you so graciously agreed to come on, but also because of your uh, newest record which um, was back in August, came out back in August, called Let's Turn It Into Sound. Um, was that your first for Ghostly? Um, it was my second album for second. Ghostly. Okay. Yeah, the first one was during the pandemic. Oh, so, okay. But like many who released during the pandemic, mm -hmm. it kind of got a little tumbled. <laughs> was this one, uh, was this new one ready to go earlier and you were kind of waiting um it was yes and no it it was like I feel like all of my albums are are ready to go earlier but the whole process of mm -hmm. releasing albums takes a while yeah. um so I finished this one actually like in the beginning of maybe 2021 and then it just takes a while to get things going mm -hmm. so that sort of overlapping workflow do you do you usually end up starting or having started a new project by the time the old one is released yeah yeah, yeah. and I often have like five or six things going at once <laughs> and which I really like because yeah. I love the thing of like okay I need a break from this one and right. then go to another one yeah I was gonna ask are you someone who sort of thrives off keeping busy like that yeah yeah and it doesn't even really feel like 
busyness, it feels just kind of like, um, I guess, fun for lack of a better word. <laughs> well, that's great though. <laughs> um, by the way, sorry if my voice sounds froggy, I'm still recovering from COVID. <laughs> oh, wow. You don't sound froggy at all. Oh, that's because you don't know what I normally sound like, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't I feel like nasal. Oh, well, that's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know last, we were supposed to talk that. last week and then I was still sort of recovering and I'm better, I'm better now, but it just like lingers, just like kicks around. Yeah. I know. And the brain feeling mm-hmm. is, is a real thing. Yeah. But I'm here and you're here and I'm happy you're here. So thank you for, for coming on. <clears throat> yeah. Likewise. So yeah. So your newest record from a couple months back, let's turn it into sound. Um, you know, usually I speak with people when their record is sort of about to come out. So it's sort of a nice treat to get to talk to someone whose record has been sort of out in the world for a couple months. You've toured it a little bit. Um, how do you think, how, how has the reception gone, do you think? And, and how was um, playing some of this material live? Um, it's really hard for me to answer how the reception, because <laughs> I, um, I don't, really know except for that um it's been fun to share it with people and to talk with people about it and Mm -hmm. um and I've only gotten to play let's see three shows now for it Um, but still very much in the beginning the main tours um are in December and next year but um but I'm so excited about playing it live because um I worked with a visual artist Sean Helfrich um, to make the visuals for the live show. And we got to use a motion capture suit that I got mm-hmm. to like move around in and he used that movement for the animation. And um, and so when I play live, that's like perfectly synced up with oh, the wow. whole live set. And I'm like controlling the timing. Um, and so so I'm really having a lot of fun playing it live and look forward to to sharing it more. Yeah, that sounds really fun. So so are you live controlling the animation or do you just sync up with the animation? Um, I'm controlling the timing, okay. but not controlling the animation. Okay. Yeah. So I was going to ask more about your live um, setup later, but since we're sort of talking about it now, I am curious. Are, now that you're going to be going out on a more extensive tour, kind of in light of this record, uh, do you try to... Or can you play these songs or is it sort of more improvised and experimental on the stage? Um, no, I play the I play the songs and okay. um and I have a tendency to like when I know I'm gonna be playing an album live, I practice it for like a year or so mm. ahead of time. Um, or if it's like um like my album ears, I wrote the album with the live setup and then just pressed record. Um, So it just kind of depends on like how I'm going to go about it. And then there's some albums that I just never play live because it was never thought of in that way. Like my, some of my earlier stuff. Um, But now I like usually know like, okay, I'm going to tour this album. And so I'll practice it um, every day for like a year. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so let's turn it into sound was finished maybe half a year or so before it came out. And then you probably started working on other things. And now it's been out for a couple months. So 
has your relationship with it changed at all now that it's sort of free in the world and you're kind of moving forward, but it's still there? Yeah, I feel like there's um, there's always like new layers to listening for me, like mm -hmm. no matter what album it is, if I'm playing it live, um, because it's like I'm not really listening like a like how I listen to albums that I'm not playing like of other people's mm -hmm. you know I listen to to something that someone else is making it feels like a very open receptive place um and when I'm listening as I'm playing I'm listening for specific things like I'm listening for cues I'm listening for like like what I can add there and and so it's like a very active listening um and and then I'm I'm also like because at this point it's in muscle memory. I'm also like in the embodiment of mm. it. So I feel more just like a pilot than, than like a listener. And yeah. so then it like just becomes like a fun um, part of the process for me where I'm like, okay, we're about to like, like fly a plane. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it, it keeps the material sort of alive too because you're kind of interacting with it even though it's this concrete product now you are taking it back you know into life essentially yeah yeah and it's interesting I don't know if I think that like this is probably just a psychological thing but it's like I feel like when any creator um pays attention to their creation for for like a certain amount of time it it starts to like take on a life of its own mm -hmm. and and then it's more like I'm simultaneously witnessing it in its own life form as well hmm. so this album to get into it a little bit more specifically so I I had I had missed this record and it came out but I had I had listened to your past couple records and then because of this scheduled interview I obviously listened to the new one and then I went back a little bit and listened to old stuff and your your career is pretty enigmatic like each product um from whatever studio sessions you're in or whatever session you're writing in it all sounds pretty different but it is all discernibly you however this new record is I think in some ways sort of your poppiest record for lack of a better word um it's still pretty abstract and experimental, but it does kind of have more accessible sounds and there's a little bit more like focus on beat and structure. There's some more vocals. So I'm curious sort of what led you here over the course of your past few years of releasing into this sort of more groove oriented, beat oriented uh, sound palette. Um, I don't know. I guess it it doesn't feel that different to me. Like when I think of earlier albums I did with like Euclid ears the kid I feel like these elements have always been there so it's hard for me to answer that because because mm. I don't classify it in that way um but I also am am so open to hearing how other people are receiving it um but for my my own personal experience of creating it I feel like the elements um are kind of always in all of my releases of like vocals, rhythm, orchestral, um, sound design, and like synthesizer throw up. <laughs> <laughs>
So how much, because I haven't, um, I didn't read the credits of this record. Is it all just you or did you have people on it with you? Um, it's all me. And then there's um, a couple places where I um, sent sheet music to a woodwind player mm. and then um, blended that in with like, with the synthesizer um, parts to like, kind of confuse what was what was the woodwinds and what was the synthesizer mm -hmm. yeah that seems to be something you you kind of enjoy doing is kind of toying with our as listeners our expectations of what's synthetic and what's organic and sort of intertwining those yeah and not even really like intentionally it just I think it just happens I don't know, I guess it's kind of like how I experience life is like very much the blend of the two mm. of like I am always like half the time in the forest and half the time in the city. And so it feels feels like it just like naturally yeah. is a part of my experience of life. Hmm. And, you know, something else I've seen mentioned around Let's Turn It Into Sound is this idea um, that sound can potentially express maybe more than simply words can. Um, I guess I'm curious why you think that is, but then also, you know, what does sound offer for you that you think the spoken or written word cannot? Yeah, um, well, I had a really um, endearing experience during the pandemic with, um, with getting a cat and- Cute. Um, and I, I just watched her, um, vocalize a lot and, and she has many different meows and <laughs> <laughs> sounds. And I feel like I could understand everything she was saying from them. They felt very clear. And, and I just started to like really pay attention to just the way that people speak. And like, sometimes someone can say, yes to something but their tone is saying no and mm -hmm. like you know, like you can hear more subtleties in the frequency of someone's voice than than like the actual words they're saying mm. and and that just became something that was really fascinating to me um and and i guess let's see the second question was what do I personally get from sound was that yeah like what 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 do you personally think that sound can offer us that spoken or written word typically can't I guess just more it's not that it's not really like one versus the other it's mm -hmm. just more the complete package that like there's subtle information that's offered in sound that isn't offered in words that that like, I mean, I can only speak for the English language because unfortunately that's the only language I know, but well, um, <laughs> yeah, but, but there's definitely a lot that I get from sound that I feel like I don't know personally the English words to communicate it unless I was writing poetry, but sound is my version of poetry. So it's mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, it's just filling in the gap. So it's like they work well together. And how do you, I mean, maybe this is a lofty question, but how do you try and sort of access that idea in your, in your audio work? Um, 
I guess with hmm. <laughs> that's really sorry if that's a sorry if that's a weird question. No, it's not a weird question. I've just never I haven't thought about it before. And I guess um it's also so personal. Like not not meaning it's too personal of a question, but right, right. like like what I what I experienced of like um all the the like in between feelings that like I feel like sound can really um assist in that like beyond the melodies and the harmonies and the rhythm like like actual sound design where mm -hmm. like maybe a twisting sound that like takes you from one note to the next that creates like a different feeling than just that interval on its own um so I don't know I guess it's just like me really luxuriating and like oh there's so many feelings to feel <laughs> so when you sort of start composing something do you have a feeling in mind or do you kind of let the sound figure that out for you um a little bit of both mm. like when I wrote the album the kid that that album started because I like got this really funny image of like a gigantic shredded wheat <laughs> being like broken open and like you know that commercial with like the one piece of shredded wheat being yeah I think so open. yeah and and I was like oh I want to make an album that feels <laughs> like that <laughs> um and then and then other times it's like I'll go in with no idea at all of what's going to happen and then it's just like I'm along for a ride so it's mm. a little bit of both and was is the title let's turn it into sound is that sort of like a response to that almost like you feel something and you can't quite articulate it so let's turn it into sound yeah yeah and it's like um and it's like making room for for like the things that want to be expressed but um but there aren't words for it yet mm. and and i guess it's just like a an ode to art in general because that's like usually art's role is like don't have the words for it so i'll make this thing instead mm -hmm. is that related is this concept related to because i also saw you you recently published a book as well um called somatic hearing um I'm, i am curious what that phrase actually means i've never heard that phrase before and is that sort of connected to what we're talking about yeah yeah and i wrote the book along with the album it's mm. uh, it's like a short um book that's like my inquisitive journey about sound while i was writing the album um and somatic means like relating to the body and and i've also been studying somatic therapy and um and there's like a whole nother intelligence that like our conscious mind is sometimes separated from that is like our feeling body you know it's like where we store like like when you get like a I don't know say you saw something gross and like your body had a like, ugh kind of yeah. thing that's like a somatic feeling that gets stored hmm. and there's so many of of those in us and and this album was very much like giving sound to like 
like, I mean, sure, you can translate that into like, I was grossed out. <laughs> yeah. But it's so, so fun to just like use, use sounds to explore that. Mm. And somatic hearing is like, is, um, you know, just bringing your attention to like all the physical reactions to things. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting too, because, um, in, you know, the, uh, I, I also write for beats per minute and we often talk about this kind of concept with, you know, hearing music and especially live music. And a lot of my, my colleagues there have described pretty, um, you know, visceral reactions to hearing a certain kind of sound or a certain instrument live or a certain band live. And I feel like maybe that is kind of related, that thing where you don't necessarily have the words for it. And sometimes they even struggle to describe it, but just sort of that innate instinct feeling you get from certain sounds. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even getting goosebumps to like, mm-hmm to some sound that's like a version of somatic hearing or like starting to cry when you start hearing music yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> happens every now and then <laughs> yeah. um so we've been talking a lot about sound i suppose we should mention for those who don't know um and this is something i don't know much about but i do feel like almost every single review every single news article whatever it is that i've read about your work mentions your signature synthesizer, the Buchla synthesizer. Um, they all also basically call it a rare synthesizer. What what does that mean? Why is it rare? Um, yeah, I guess it's- Is it just it, not commonly used? Yeah, there just aren't that many made. Okay. Um, and um, the company is still active. It's gone through different, different ownership. Um, so you can still- still buy it but um it depends on what model and like there's a lot of like older models you can't still buy mm-hmm. um and um and i don't personally own any of the older ones i go to residencies for that mm-hmm. and and borrow them and i have like some of the newer ones um and it was just the first synthesizer i ever played and and so it became um so natural to me to use it and like the sound became such an extension of my voice um and and I still use lots of other synthesizers it's not the only thing that I use right um but but I perform with it um or I perform with one of the models and um and it definitely has like a part in all of my music so what draws you to it and what do you enjoy about it versus some other synths that you also use? Um, I think a combination of, of like the interface is really aesthetically pleasing <laughs> and it also is additive synth um, synthesis. And I, in my like more classical training, I really felt inspired by the overtone series and that is an additive composition process and so additive synthesis just makes a lot of sense to me and um and and i guess is inspiring to me mm. and it's not the only additive synthesizer but but that's just um again the first one that i ever used and yeah, yeah. and you actually also did a record with 
uh, Suzanne Chiani, who's sort of a pioneer of that synth. Um, how did you two ever link up and, and sort of what was that like working alongside her? Yeah, we were um, we were neighbors in a small town. And oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and it was amazing working with her. Um, she's an incredible composer, incredible synthesis and, and a wonderful person. Yeah, I feel really lucky to have been able to spend some time with her and to make music with her. You also collaborated recently with um, Emile Masseri, who I only knew from a couple of film scores. Um, he, for the record, he got Oscar nominated for Minari. He also did the score for Kajillionaire, Miranda um, July's last film. But how did you two already know each other when you decided to link up? Because that's, you know, we should mention that's your other 2022 record that came out. Um, I could yeah. be your dog, I could be your moon uh, with Emil. So how'd that come about? Yeah, um, he's an amazing composer. And I was watching a film and within like five minutes of it, I was like, who is this? Who did the music? <laughs> and I wrote him on Instagram. And, um, and it ended up that we were neighbors also. <laughs> yep, you keep living next to these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so then we just met up and went for um, a couple hikes and it was just like an instant friendship. And, and then I, um, I moved away for a while, like during the pandemic and, um, and we wanted to continue our friendship. So we were like, let's just make music and like get to know each other through that. Hmm. And, and so the, the album feels so special because it feels like it captured us like building a new friendship together. Via sound. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, he's an incredible musician. I feel really lucky to have, um, collaborated with him, both him and Suzanne. I feel like everyone, I love collaboration so much, so I feel lucky to collaborate with everyone. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to ask, cause you know, despite that, that, that much of your solo work is, is often quite solo, despite maybe a couple people in, in and out. Um, you must like collaborating though, cause you do collaborate occasionally with some really great great people I mean what do you typically like get or learn out of these sort of collaborative experiences um it depends on the type of collaboration like if it's a, a work for hire like um like say I'm doing sound for a brand or like music for a film then then I love being in the role of like translator of mm. just taking notes of like what is at the heart of what this person wants to make and how can I um, use music to like to translate everything that they want to share or like support it and and it's a very different role for me because it's it's like not about me expressing and so it's like um, very much like how can I make this the best version of what this person wants mm -hmm. and and that feels like a really special role to be in. And then if it's collaboration, like how it was with like Suzanne and Emil, like with, with another artist where we're making something together, it's not like a work for hire thing, then, then it's like more about what is the like synergy of the both of us together? Like what do we create when we come together? And less about like, what do I wanna make? What do you wanna make? It's like, what is the like, third thing that happens right sort of like finding what 
what that conversation between you two sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always so neat because it's like, um, you know, I can never do what other people do and they can never do what I do. So it's like this really special, like honoring of each other yeah. of, of like, what part of music are you connected to? Like, what can you hear that I can't hear? That's such an interesting way of thinking about it, but it's probably true of most collaborations in the art world, even if they don't think about it that way, sort of like, what are you offering to our conversation? What am I offering to our conversation? And then inevitably that will look different than either of those things alone. So yeah, yeah, totally. It's like you and I talking right now. Yeah. And if I was talking to myself, that would look very different. Yeah. <laughs> um, dare I ask, do you have like dream people to collaborate with that you haven't yet? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a risky question. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely people on it that that like it would be me collaborating with their ghost, but mm -hmm. um, but then yeah, there's maybe, also... maybe we can maybe we can start there. It's a little safer. Who 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 has passed? <laughs> who has passed that you want to collaborate with? Um, I mean, that one is also a really long list, but <laughs> um, but I mean, David Bowie. That's mm -hmm. like of course at the top. Oh and yeah. I mean, contemporary people like Steve Reich, I would, I would like really, really love mm. to collaborate with him and, and Meredith Monk. And then mm -hmm. in the pop world, I mean, D'Angelo has always been really high on my list. That would be, that'd be really cool. <laughs> It'd be a very interesting collaboration. Maybe, maybe your neighbors with him too. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. I know. Yeah. I mean, Solange, I can like, like the list is so long. Yeah. And it's, I think, I think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong because I'm not in it, but I, it feels like popular music and experimental music is sort of, I don't say merging, but coming closer together these days. Like, I don't think it'd be out of the question for someone like Solange to tap you for an assist somewhere, you know? That would be amazing. I'm just going to. You can put I'm it out in the universe. Yes to that future. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned pop people, you mentioned some experimentalists. Are there other sort of like modern day electronic or neoclassical composers that you think we, like myself and people who listen to this, should be on the lookout for or watching? Um, yeah, definitely. Like as far as neoclassical goes, um Carolyn Shaw is really amazing mm -hmm. um, i'm trying to think of people that maybe um i know i'm putting you on the spot <laughs> yeah for neoclassical like ellery saxel is also a really special composer um mm. and then for for electronic like experimental mm -hmm. electronic that one um there's also like a really long, long list, <laughs> but, um, I mean, the person that I collaborated with visually, they're also an electronic musician. They go under cool maritime. Um, okay. they, they make beautiful music and, um, um, I mean, I have an NTS show that, that I, I feel like I'm sharing often, like like a combination of that of 
of like electronic music and neoclassical mm-hmm. music. Um, so if people want to want to see like an extensive list, there's yeah. always there's always that. I guess I ask because you know, especially when I was listening to um, the newest record, I I kind of got these flashes sometimes of something that like Ellen Allian might have made um, back in the two thousands. Ellen Allian. Ellen. Ellen Allian is like Alien, but with two L's. She's a German um, producer. Oh, cool! I'll look her yeah, up. Yeah, she's she's great, and she has some stuff in the mid, like the mid-ish two thousands that it kind of reminded me of. And then people like um, Autecker, um, that sort of like just really unpredictable sound play, um, you know. But even though they're still working, the most of their work that people sort of flock to is 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 a bit older. And I was I was just curious if there were some modern day composers that maybe maybe influence you or inspire you. So that's why I asked that question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot. But the ones that like inspired this album um, probably were like, they didn't inspire it in a way where it sounds like it, but they, mm-hmm. they, um, I'm trying to think like, I mean, actually, there is one artist that I I laugh because like they make me laugh so much, and I like really wanted this album to have that element of it. But there's this um, this pop star, um, I think he's Ukrainian, named Vitus. V I. Never heard of him. Um. Oh my gosh, he is um, very special. (laughs) I'm just gonna leave it at that. Does he and know that he makes you laugh? He knows <laughs> I don't think he knows anything about <laughs> He's like such a, a famous um, Ukrainian pop star. Oh, okay. Um, and there was like two, oh, I'm trying to remember the other one. Um, I think his name, oh. So Vitus is like um, an incredible vocal artist. He has like, like just an insane range and and there was like a while where he was doing these like vocal offs with like other operatic singers oh. and and I was getting so inspired by watching mm-hmm. them like like try and one up each other yeah <laughs> they have like very theatrical videos and um, I'll have to look those up yeah they're pretty fun <laughs> <laughs> um so if- for an artist who's kind of always working, always creating something, but also always kind of trying to find the next phase. Is there anything you can tell us about sort of like where you're off to next musically or philosophically or what have you? Um, hmm. It's just starting to, to like creep into my world. Cause usually I, I wait till like I get filled. It's like a feeling inside of me where I'm like, okay, I got it. Like I have, like, I know exactly what it's going to be. Right. And, um, and it's just starting to make itself more known, but not really in a way where I can put words to it yet. You can probably put sound to it though. Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Hasn't really even gotten to that place. It's just in the ether waiting. Yeah. 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 I just know that it's going to come pretty soon. (laughs) So what do you do then when you're not trying to like 
be a translator for those feelings or access those feelings or make something like what do you do 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 you like to get out in the wilderness like what do you do on your off time yeah um if i'm not like working on other projects and just on music in general then i like to be really active like i love acrobatics and hand balancing and like um and i love being outside like doing anything outside Mm. and um i love dancing and um yeah mostly i tend to do things that are like opposite part of my brain than than making music so it's like either being really extroverted or um (laughs) being really active yeah i'm just always curious about that with people who do have the tendency to sort of always be creating you know i'm always curious okay well then what's happening when you're not actively creating yeah (laughs) i also like to have a really consistent flow of learning new things that Mm -hmm. seems to like keep the channels really like open and clean if i'm like constantly experiencing novelty in that Mm -hmm. way and do you try and maybe not try but do you notice that it transmutes into your work yeah i think it just keeps me in a really curious place so then when I approach music it's like in a very curious place and then I try new things that's a good place which I've heard a lot of um neuroscientists talk about how like you know I think over the last few years they've been using that word neuroplasticity a lot Mm -hmm. and like if you are every day in that new like learning something new then that muscle just stays active so we should always be learning um something yeah I, well I won't say should but but I like it yeah <laughs> yeah all right well I look forward to hearing whatever's coming next I know you maybe from the inside uh have the you know as you mentioned have a different perception of you of your sort of over than I do but to me, it's been fun sort of going back and tracing through your your discography and kind of seeing things kind of bloom here and bloom there. And so I'm excited to see what comes next. Um, r- remind I'll us. Say. What'd you say? Oh, I said, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so where are you touring in a couple months? Where can people look for you? In, um, in November, I'm playing in Mexico City. And then December in, in, US, in the US, like on the West Coast and East Coast. And okay. then... In January, I'll be in Australia, and oh, wow. then in the spring, I'll be um, in the UK and in the EU. You must be excited to get back out on tour. Is this your first tour since the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, yeah I've done some one-off shows, but um, but definitely excited to to play again. Yeah, and in various countries too. So it's nice. I'm glad things are ever so gently kind of restoring. Hopefully, it stays that way. Yeah, totally. (laughs) All right. Well, Let's Turn It Into Sound uh, is actually already out, everybody. So it came out back in August. So if you missed it, please go back and check it out. It's out on Ghostly. Thank you, Caitlin, for talking to me today. I really appreciate your insight and uh, your time. Yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Enjoy your rain. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.